Hey there, and welcome to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in the northwestern part of Richmond, Virginia. For more information about City Lights, you can visit us at wearecitylights.com. Now enjoy today's message. How's everyone doing? No, seriously. I mean, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Because, you know, things are kind of messed up right now, right? I mean, you could look at it that way. And just listening to the um, radio on the way over, hearing about California fires, it's like, let's add one more thing to the mix. It kind of causes an unsettling emotional state. Um, Maybe, you know, you get numb. You're just like, I can't deal with this anymore. You get angry. It's just, this is just not right. It's not fair. Or or irritated or on edge. I tend to get kind of edgy. We've got kids at home, nine almost nine and almost 10. And, um, you know, even though I'm out of the house for five hours a day or so, there's just this tension. Uh, there's something in me that says it's not supposed to be this way. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older and maybe it's because I'm raising kids that are that age with my wife, Charlotte, and even Charlotte, um, I can sense that there's a little stress and strain having kids at home. Kids need a place to go. Kids aren't supposed to be home all the time. And, you know, with constant rain and you can't get out of the house, it's even more challenging. And honestly, sometimes I'm angry and I take it out on the kids. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm, all, I'm always trying to control my emotions, but I'm not always in control of my emotions. Um... It's, I can't blame it all on the pandemic. I can't blame it all on social, the need for social justice. I can't blame it all on the economy, crushing lives and the fear and anxiety of what tomorrow might bring. But, you know, if you add all this together, I'm just a little uncertain. Okay, I'm more than a little uncertain. I'm, I'm a lot unsettled and sometimes I'm downright on edge. But we try to keep it at bay, right? Try and control your emotions. Wouldn't you say that everything seems unsettled right now in your life? I mean, I don't even know how to say hi anymore, right? You got this, the elbow pump thing, and you've got the foot knocking uh, thing. Um, and then, oh, we're going to hug. I mean, I'm with a mask on. or with, Are we with mask? Are we without mask? Where, where are we? Is this the city? Is this Henrico? Whose house am I at? Where have they been? No, there's no anxiety. Yes, there is. Um, Everything seems really emotional, and we all try to contain it, but then it's bubbling up. Uh, Maybe we're just trying to make sense of everything. We're kind of like fit everything into these logical boxes. You know, I need to to compress my world into these logical boxes so I can rationalize, you know, why and what is going on here. I mean... Things are about as crazy as they've been since the late 60s, early 70s. You know, I grew up, I was a kid, a kid, um, when Vietnam was going on and this thing, they call it the race riots back then. Um, You know, but you know, there's good news. And that is that for us who believe in God, um, we hopefully know that our God is in control. God can help me control some of my emotions too when they get a little bit out of control. Did you know that emotions, our emotions are from God? Not that we always use them in a godly way, right? 
I mean, the next few weeks, we're going to look into how Jesus responded and how he responds to emotions, how he, what he did in his life. And we're going to look at some of that. Jesus displayed 39 emotions in the gospel. And I don't even know of 39 emotions that I have. Jesus was the smartest person that ever lived, in my opinion. But he was also in touch with his emotions. And here's some of the emotions over when he went to, uh, to Jerusalem and he was rejected. They said, Jesus, you're not really good, not good enough to be king. You don't fit in. And he showed grief over those who were missing out. And then over the hypocritical church leaders cutting out the poor and sinners. You know, he showed righteous anger that they were cut out from, from receiving the love of God and all the good things that come with that. And then when the 72 disciples returned from healing people and just changing their lives, he has fist-pumping joy. You know, at God's goodness, at God's mercy, his, deep, his dear friend Lazarus dies. And Jesus, knowing that he's going to bring him back to life, Jesus still wept. He was still so in sadness, deep sadness. And then before he went to the cross at Gethsemane, Jesus was overwhelmed with hurt and rejection and anxiety. So today we want to learn what Jesus feels for us so we can receive his love for us more deeply and so we can hopefully feel this uh, a little more for others. So let's just pray and then jump right into God's word. Lord, we just thank you, God. I just pray that um, you would reveal yourself to someone today, that by this message, by your Holy Spirit, you would come and just touch someone's life. There would be a place where they are touched. And we just uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at Luke, the gospel of Luke. Um, and we're looking at Luke chapter 7. We're going from verses uh, 11 to 16. This is the New Living Translation. So just after uh, this mind-blowing message on the mountain, um, you know, forgive, and if you want to be forgiven, you better forgive others. Uh, if you even look lustfully at someone, that's considered adultery. Jesus, so he's back on the road after this mind-blowing lesson, and he's at a, uh, a little town outside of Capernaum in Galilee. And, you know, people in that area were seen as less than at best. There was this north-south thing. You know, you know anything about that? There was this country-city thing, you know, where people from the country made fun of the city dwellers and people in the city made fun of the people in the country. People in Jerusalem made fun of people in Galilee. The Galileans were the butt of many a joke. So let's just look at uh, verse 11 here. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. It was a funeral procession that was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. And the Lord saw her. Jesus saw her. His heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And then Luke says that great fear swept the crowd of people. 
And they praise God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus thread through, spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. So this funeral procession that we we're looking at, it's a little different than what we would see today. You know, today we go to the funeral home or we go, you know, maybe have our, our ashes put in the mausoleum. But back in this day, um, the funeral was right away. And also, they often paid professional mourners. I mean, this was like part of the, the, the custom, what was done. So you have people that are weeping loudly and people playing music. And it's quite a show, honestly. Um, so we know this. Uh, what we don't know is this woman who's a widow, how long had she been a widow? We don't get to know that. What was her son who died's age? What did he die of? We don't get to know those things. Um, we don't know how old the widow was. What we do know was that it was probably the next day because there was really no way to keep a, a body on ice. There was no formaldehyde to preserve the body used in the Jewish culture. So, you know, what we know is that this woman had lost her son. The only hope for her to survive in this culture. It's not like she could go out and get a job. It's not like maybe she can't remarry. It's her whole family is gone now. The husband is gone. The son is gone. She has no way of surviving. And what does Jesus do? He sees her. The, law, the Lord saw her. So over 40 times in the New Testament, Jesus saw people. So we're not just talking about glancing at somebody, just a casual thing. He actually noticed her. She stood out. His heart felt something. He could see the grief on her face. You know, I mean, I can be oblivious to things going on around me. Like I said, I don't know, 39 emotions, <clears throat> what's that? You know, I don't really ask for a lot of details and things. I don't see the whole picture sometimes. And maybe that's a, a guy thing. Maybe that's just me. You know, Charlotte, my wife, asks all the details. I paint these impressionistic blurs in pictures. Charlotte remembers conversations word for word. Charlotte's texts are full of details and questions. I'm like, LOL or yes. You know, I use a lot less words. I notice a lot less detail. But Jesus saw, Jesus observed, he knew her pain. Jesus wouldn't stand by when someone was in pain. Jesus wouldn't stand by for injustice. This would be not just. What was she going to do? Jesus knew his father's words and he used them to comfort people. He used his emotions to comfort people. He helped write most of this Bible maybe. So the first point is, you know, Jesus sees you. When Jesus saw someone in deep and profound pain, what did he feel for her? He felt the same thing that he feels for you and for me. When you're trying to conceive for 14 years and nothing's happening, when you can't make your monthly payments on your car or your house because you're making maybe half the money that you were making before, when your social life is a big zero because you're isolated and you can't meet anybody and you're lonely and com this conversation online just isn't the same. You just want a hug sometimes. 
When you've been praying for months and for years and you haven't heard squat from God, it seems, he sees you. He does. He sees you and he knows you and he feels your pain. Now that the word for what Jesus feels here, this, the word for Jesus feeling your pain is splachna. It's kind of guttural. It's kind of a groan of your innards. I lived in New York and, and you would hear this chutzpah, you know, going on on the streets when you went to the, the Jewish uh, parts of town. Um, so I, I hear this coming up, you know, sounds like you got something in your throat. Um, <clears throat> it's a groan of your in, inward innards, though, <laughs> when this guttural groaning, this great grief that comes from so deep inside. Splankna is actually the word where spleen comes from. So Jesus feels like he's getting sucker punched, you know, when, when one of your best lifelong buddies um, has prostate cancer and it's bad and they give him two years to live. Jesus is right there with you. When you feel that pain, Jesus feels your pain. When you're anxious, frustrated, afraid, lost, he's right there with you. Jesus actually took all those fears and frustrations and all the can cancer and the sucker punches with him when he died on the cross. All that is wrong in you, with you, he wants to put on his shoulders. He doesn't want you to carry this weight. He carried that weight and he carries that weight for you. Jesus felt every emotion you feel. Now, he was able to keep his emotions in check with, with living correctly, you know, not like me all the time. Um, and we won't always do the right thing. Um, but we can say, Jesus, you knew more pain in your death than I'll ever know. Jesus was hurt by the conditions of the human race. Jesus was deeply moved by those treated as less than. When the system didn't care, Jesus cared and Jesus acted. Jesus says, don't cry next to her. And he, this is not minimizing the woman's grief at all, but in deep compassion and in expectation. I think Jesus is confident how this is gonna play out. And then Jesus, Jesus touches the coffin. Now, this is not like a closed coffin that we have today, right? This is not like a box. Um, this is a flat piece of wood with places for people to carry it. And it's the next day, you know, the body is right out there for all. And um, he touches the boy, he touches the coffin. And that is just totally unheard of in that culture. You don't touch dead people. You don't touch what dead people are lying on. You don't touch anything that touched the dead. When Jesus touches the coffin, he's crossing a line. And one thing you see about Jesus over and over again is that Jesus was not afraid to cross lines. I feel like right now in our culture, maybe some, some of us are, are drawing lines, but they're lines for our safety. Jesus crossed over to the other side. When we can't agree in our government what's going on, um, we have to look at the example of Jesus and we have to be able to cross over. We have to be able to find a place where we can cross over to the other side. Jesus was bold and Jesus was compassionate. Now, 500 years before Jesus, there was a prophet named Zechariah. And in Zechariah 7, starting in verse 9, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty said. 
Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. God's heart is for the underdog. And if you happen to be rich, he can feel your pain too. See, Jesus wasn't afraid to cross lines. Jesus didn't care if... if uh, you know, if it was going to cause him some confrontation with the authorities later on. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and break the law. Jesus didn't cross lines to be a tough guy or to be bossy. Jesus crossed the line saying, women are not second-class citizens. Jesus crossed the line saying, all are welcome to God's family, not just the people who look right or seem right. Jesus crossed the line saying, no one is right with God on their own or by the way they grew up. No one can even know God without coming through me. And maybe this is something that's offended you and kept you from choosing Jesus or looking into Jesus or asking Jesus to come into your life. But Jesus was not afraid to cross lines. Finally, Jesus crossed the line saying, I'll take all the blame and the shame of the world and nail it to myself, to a tree. He willingly chose to die for me and for you. And that cross, that was just a drastic line to cross, surrendering everything. That's the kind of line crossing I'm talking about. See, we are Jesus' body. The body of, of Christ is what we're called as the church. And we are supposed to do what he did, right? We don't draw lines to keep people out either. And I'm really proud of our City Lights Church family that we are so welcoming, welcoming to everybody. We have all ages, all races, all creeds, all socioeconomical uh, groups in our midst. And we love on them. And when we could hug and greet in person, we did that too. Nothing can keep Jesus from touching the ones who are hurting. So the crowd here is just stunned. They're gasping. They're outraged. And the only son also, the one who died, he gasps. He gasps because air has gone back into his lungs. He gasps because this one touch of crossing the line brought the dead back to life. Jesus brings dead things to life. And maybe that one touch is what you need today. Maybe that one touch is, is the one thing that's keeping you from crossing over from a living death into a life worth living. Maybe your relationship with God has become distant. Maybe your relationship with your partner has become distant. Maybe it's your child or your grandchild that just needs one touch. I was uh, able, you know, I work in a, in a restaurant. We don't call them bars in Virginia. I work in a restaurant and nobody's sitting at the bar. Just want you to know that. I was able <clears throat> to go pray for a guy's back. Now, I was really a little apprehensive because I was praying for a guy's back in front of people who are constantly laughing at religion, laughing at Jesus. Um, and they're my friends. I love them. 
but you know it grieves me that that they're so bitter about religion and about church and about even Jesus. So I was able to go over to this guy and, and, and I asked him if I could just put my hand on his back. And now I prayed a silent prayer. Um, I don't know if it was me or the Holy Spirit, but even though this guy wasn't healed, there was a witness here. There was a witness to Jesus that these people who scoff and laugh and make fun of we, we who believe that Jesus is Lord um, were watching this and they had to have thoughts about it. This guy who I was praying for was totally cool with it. They had to have thoughts about that too. And then there's a couple that we've been praying for, trying to get pregnant, and things are looking really good. Things are looking really good. And this is 14 years, and we're just so hopeful, and we just keep praying because they, they need that one touch, that one touch. And I believe they've even gotten a touch from Jesus now. Uh, a friend of mine with cancer. I just prayed for him over the phone. I was like, I don't know how if this works over the phone, like you know, but I'm laying hands on you right now. And um, well, that's the, when he went to the doctor, his cancer was miraculously healed. I'm not the only one that prayed for him. He had also good help from doctors, but he his cancer is gone. One touch by Jesus can happen through your hand, through my hand, through your words, even online when we're having a Zoom uh, conference, when we're having a small group online, we can reach our hand up to the screen and pray and people can feel the touch of God. One touch. Jesus sees. He sees where you are. He cares deeply for you. He crosses the line for you, for me. And he wants to reach out and touch you right now no matter what your pain is, no matter what your grief is. So people are amazed here, right? And the word of Jesus spreads. So what are we doing? How are we living that helps spread the word and the love and the touch of Jesus? I have to ask myself, How's my splankna? How can I say I care like Jesus cares? What can I do today? So Jesus didn't stop by crossing the line into death for us. He crossed up death. He threw death off so that we were not only forgiven, but we get to lead the only life that I believe is worth living, and not in heaven only, but right now here on earth as in heaven. Now, you know, maybe this is resonating with you right now, and, and maybe you haven't ever given uh, yourself to Jesus or said, Jesus, I want to try this. You know, he's very accepting of, your, of the way you want to come. He knows your heart. He knows how you want to come to him. So I'm going to just offer uh, a prayer for anyone who's like, I, I, I got no other way to, way to go. I've got no other place to go. I want to try this, Jesus. He's got a life. He's got a guarantee that's uh, life, life back. It's, it's, uh, it's a guarantee that's forever. So if you want to right now, you know, you can just say this simple prayer. You can just say, Jesus I want to try what you have to offer. 
Jesus, I'm sorry for my mistakes. Jesus, help me to know you and to follow you. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you with everything. Will you come now, Jesus, and make my life new? Lord, we we just thank you so much, God, for for all you're doing in our lives. Thank you that you care deeply. And I I just, I think there's someone out there right now who who really needs to feel this touch. There's someone out there who's who's feeling uh, just weak and unsure and afraid, and they're trying to hold it all together, but it's just really just coming apart at the seams. And, And the Lord says, I know you, I hear you, I feel your pain, and I will come and touch it. So right now, he's touching you. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for all you're doing and all you've done. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for checking out the City Lights podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can go to wearecitylights.com slash give, or you can text any dollar amount to 843 Thanks for joining us today.